Welcome to Classic Comics Cavalcade. I'm Jason Sachs. I'm Amir Malikpour. And we are discussing the collected Topi, Volume 1, The Enchanted World. These are the first uh, five or six stories. Amir, I had never read Topi before. I bought this book a while ago. Never actually cracked the covers. This is incredible. Amazing stories. Amazing art. I don't know how to begin. I don't know how to talk about the art. It's so good. But the stories are just as good. It's amazing. Political, I really... socioeconomical, aspirational, whatever other stuff, vocabulary I don't know how to use. It's amazing. poetic. It's, yeah, how do you describe this artwork? Uh, you, remind, uh, you can see the strong influence on Walt Simonson. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Walt Simonson is a big fan of his, too. Yeah. You can see it in the, like, the fine lines and the detail, but there's so much going on here that, like, it's really hard to explain his artwork, right? Mm -hmm. It almost seems like doodling that makes sense. Also, I actually, I see Gustav Klimt, too, which is crazy a little bit. Oh, absolutely. And like it's European, so they get their they get to take their time and be detailed, as opposed to like monthly, where you just have to like half-ass some of the pages. There is a a random page, like page forty-six, where we have the lighthouse keeper standing on the shoreline, and just a noodly detail around the rocks and the growth on the on the rocks there at the very beginning. Like it really brings that scene alive. And then lower down there, you see a wrecked ship. And there you could see kind of not every board on the ship, but all the detail of that kind of fills out the ship and gives it a sense of texture. Mm-hmm. It's just also gorgeously rendered. It's like a graphomaniac, too, like just drawing, drawing, and then a shape comes out of all the lines that he's put together. It's just amazing. I love the stories too. I mean, let's not shortchange the stories. There have been, should we go one by one or? Sure. So the first one is Little Cryptic, right? Brokilan Wood, which Mm -hmm. is about a family that goes picnicking. They all seem very like a nice, innocent, middle-class French family. And a witch comes and visits them, turns them into trees, then the trees get bombed by a World War One bomber pilot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very crude. You know, I did not notice them turning into trees. Uh, it almost happens off panel, right? Yeah, I actually didn't see. Uh, I I didn't notice that. that like, uh, I thought I was like, "Huh, how come these trees are here?" And then, oh, now that you mentioned <laughs> the family, and then the witch flying up. I actually thought that. The villain was the bombing and technology, and but it is interesting, yeah. Not to go back to the artwork, but the way he draws the witch in the three pages where we get close-ups on her face is extraordinary. Amazing, yeah. The wrinkles on her face and the age feeling of her, but also this feeling of anger and you know, she looks so spooky and just done with this beautiful feathering. Mm-hmm. and then Topi does this interesting thing where he especially on page 22 where he has the family inset against the hat the witch's hat and they're all in white against the witch's black yeah yeah 
Usually like, it would be drawn in black mm -hmm. against a white background. Yeah. And then the, to continue on that motif, like, and this is definitely a motif he does all throughout the stories, is like on the next page, before they get turned into trees, they're half black and half white mm -hmm. in the shadows there under yeah. the trees. So like there's almost this feeling of transformation among the characters. I really like the story. I actually thought that it was just kind of like uh, the story was also about myths and versus like what's true, what's really evil, you know? What is the true evil? Is it the witch that's turning into trees or you know, technology that's bombing and killing? And then on top of that, like you said, the black and white, yeah. The family caught in the middle, right? An ordinary family caught in the middle of the mythology, yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you with the panel. Did you mean the panel on panel one on page 24 where the uh, parts of the silhouettes are in black and parts are in white? Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Oh, yeah, it's it's amazing, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that before. I'm having trouble thinking. Of, you know, we might have seen it when we were reading Cordo Maltese. Maybe, yeah. Because it's like you have a one kind of half the body of silhouette is in white against a black background and the other half is black against a somewhat white background with the grass. Yeah. It's subtle what he does with the trees. Wang, mm -hmm. I like the, um, the bomb too, the, the way it's drawn, it's just splatter. Yeah, you notice on 24, the witch flies up in like the top left or top right yeah. rather of the yeah. page yeah um and she's flying to the right on page 26 the beep the biplane or whatever it is is on the top right also but it's facing the opposite direction like one technology one mythology is going out as technology comes in yeah i mean it happens on page 24 too at the bottom yeah. Panel three, which is leaving. Panel four, the plane is coming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like such a nice progression of it's on the right side on the bottom of 24 and the left side of the page on page 25. So it looks like the plane has flown a distance to get to its destination. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I really think a lot of these are commentaries on society. Good, I wanna talk about that work because a couple of these were kind of cryptic to me. Yeah, should we go on to the next one? So that's black or, and tans, that's- other stories to talk about. Yeah, black and tans, which is, I guess, a, a allegory about the British soldiers in Ireland, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Again, the artwork is just extraordinary. Mm -hmm. I mean, the very first, the first two pages, really, you see these British soldiers walking along the fields in Ireland, and they're tiny versus the landscape they're part of. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about what that implies about them, I guess. Well, I mean, this one's about, like, you know, soldiers killing innocent people. In fact, they even talk about, one of them talks about shooting the girl, but she's really a ghost that brings, like, brings, like, people to feed on, like, this monster to feed on. Mm -hmm. yeah. when they walk into that abandoned house and you see the broken chairs and the broken chains for the uh, food pot and stuff it just looks so desolate mm -hmm. 
-hmm. even the that stone wall again the detail right the stone wall on page 32 around the house and you know the there's a feeling of all the rocks being scattered mm -hmm. in every possible direction mm -hmm. yeah again beautiful art beautiful art oh, cemetery the girl with great drawing like the big face mm -hmm. yeah her face just seems so resonant right those eyes are just perfect mm -hmm. And that little touch of the mouth, you know, where you see the, the teeth just peeking out, you feel that anger coming from her. Mm -hmm. And the soldiers are all like super, they got all these straps and modern contraptions attached to them. They feel so separate from the environment they're part of mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. by design. And then the ending with that beautiful use of black. Oh, yeah. Again, I'm not sure I've seen a lot of other comics that have done something like this. The soldiers disappear into this castle that may have a monster in it. We get a close-up of the blackness that they're disappearing into. And the bottom of page 39 is just a single panel of black, quarter page of black. Mm -hmm. That's such a courageous thing to do, too a bold storytelling choice mm -hmm. and then the next page you know they got they got they went through a gas grossly painful end with the blood coming off of the panel into the page oh, such a beautiful touch right mm -hmm. even the detail of like at the, on the last page the girl walking up the hill towards the tower, and she's just tiny. She's almost like a speck, maybe a millimeter in size against this enormous landscape she's part of. Just makes you feel like this is just one tiny instant in the middle of all these other uh, cases of oppression or terror visited upon these Irish people. The third story is about the lighthouse keeper, Solitudinus Morbus. I should look up some of these references, right? I'm curious yeah. if Cuchulain is a, an actual like being in Irish mythology or something. I think so, but when I looked it up, Cuchulain is actually like this handsome like character. Oh, so it didn't really add up, but. In this case, and it's a guy, and I think from what I understand in that story, it was a woman. Mm. Okay. Mm. The Solitudinus Morbus. Um, that one, yeah, that's a great story about, I think in the beginning, it describes a disease that all lighthouse keepers go through. It reminds me of it. There's a movie recently about two lighthouse keepers with Willem Dafoe. And... And uh, Robert Patton, Pattinson recently. It kind of reminded me of that, but just I don't know that movie. Wow. I think to me, this story is about, I mean, we'll probably get into the artwork, but to me, the story is about envy and regret and, and uh, kind of self destructiveness as a result of regret. Mm, go on with that. So, you know, uh, we, we see a lighthouse keeper who feels like, oh, I'm the nobody, you know, and he goes by, there's an abandoned ship and he meets a ghost 
captain in the ship. And they had this conversation and the supposed ghost captain says like, well, who are you? You're nobody. You wouldn't understand the, you haven't done anything. You just used to sit, you sit in your lighthouse and do nothing while I'm like, you know, as a ship, ship captain, you have to like, you know, stop mutinies and battle pirates and things like that. And, and in his conversations, uh, the lighthouse keeper starts saying, well, you know, didn't you see I stabbed so-and-so? And, -so? and uh, there's actually pretty funny stuff too. It's like, um, when he says like, yeah, I stabbed the you know, a sea monster or something or a shark. And he's like, ah, oh, it's probably just a dead dolphin or like, did you cut yourself trying to get your meal? And that's what the blood is, you know? And basically they go back and forth. And finally the lighthouse keeper recognizes that the captain looks like him and yeah. it is him. And then they'll end up. And at the end of the book, um, you, they, they find the lighthouse keeper's body dead in like one of those divers. And then they take the mask off and the lighthouse keeper is actually the captain. So what do you make of that juxtaposition? Because I had trouble with that. I'm not sure I made sense of it. I thought of it as him imagining himself as the captain and going on adventures instead of sitting in the lighthouse and not doing anything. And then at the end, trying to make up for it by doing that dive and basically ruining or killing himself, basically. But he got the jewels that symbolized the fact that he was able to feel like a captain he's getting the rewards of being or a captain. he died trying to get that glory which wasn't really useful it wasn't really his either yeah oh, i like that i like that reading of this it's a really kind of two sides of his own personality yeah again the artwork is just astonishing mm -hmm. the scene where he's walking along the very first page where you see that long kind of ambling pathway mm -hmm. against these these horrific the horrific but these wild seas oh it's just beautiful almostly it looks like it's the pathway goes in this kind of random direction and the tiny figure of the lighthouse keeper at the edge there Mm -hmm. dreaming of being a captain be, dream of actually being out there in the sea but mm -hmm. separated by those enormous cliff walls mm -hmm. it's really i mean this and the next story crawl they're very similar in that people or characters not wanting to be what they really ended up as good call out crawl i think is the the most fun story in the book to me yeah and then there's also like it's just there's a third story with um after crawl which is about an um a child eating goblin that doesn't want to do that but has to do it to keep the family business going as a child eating goblin right and then the next one it's about this i think it's also a goblin right or like a creature that protects this mushroom and he wants to go on adventures and rule countries and be a prince and not sit on the mushroom. And he ends up getting to do that. But then he gets he becomes such a terrible ruler that he gets assassinated by the very mushroom that he used to protect. So it's like all the, these last three stories that we read, which is halfway through the book, um, 
all are about characters who didn't want, who don't want to be who they are. Yeah, yeah, who are unhappy with their work for, for with their existence in some way, mm-hmm. but who are also feeling trapped in it, right? Yeah. So you, yeah, you got the lighthouse keeper, you got the goblin, and you got the I guess the I don't know what he is. Frog. Or the, the, not the frog, excuse me. He's um a goblin, yeah. He's a goblin, yeah. I guess he's a different kind of a goblin than the one that kids eats kids. But there's there's clearly like we start to think about there's this there is a lesson here Mm -hmm. about contentment and accepting who you are. Mm -hmm. Well, it's different. One of them. Like the crawl story about the goblin who doesn't want to be the evil goblin or whatever, he um he has a choice of not doing it. He can, whereas in in other and so as does the lighthouse keeper, but maybe the goblin that protects a mushroom was too ambitious. You know, it's the other end. Yeah, or maybe he was also corrupted in his own way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he was just he he was so rapacious as wanting to do something different that he became you know this this horrible person Mm -hmm. i really enjoy these stories i mean they're pretty quick too yeah the contrast in crawl between like the picture of the the girl's terrified face on page 62 she's holding that doll and she looks horrified that first glimpse of crawl like he looks terrifying right he looks like he's legitimately like one of the scariest creatures. And then the last page, 68, where he's got his head down on that motherly head or motherly lap, rather. <laughs> and he looks so sweet and content and childlike. It's just it's just this charming juxtaposition, you know? Yeah, and even mixed in that is the King and the Crow, which is about this king who's who's a statue there's just a statue of a king but it has kind of the soul of the king inside it mm-hmm. i didn't and, get to read that one but oh I you didn't get to okay that's yeah. we could talk about that the next time we talk about these um yeah overall i'm so glad we got to read these i can't recommend this book highly enough there's really such quick reads too um but i wanted to like save my appetite because it was really fun to read the quick reads and they're also beautiful like you could just you could read this in i don't know an hour the whole book or you could take days just pouring over the art you know this is one that looks so much better in print than it does on digital too mm. really recommend people pick it up in in the book format did you uh, try reading it in digital as well as a comparison i read it in bed in digital form and then i read it just sitting uh, on my lap okay. Um, so it wasn't to compare it, but um, the artwork pops against the slick paper they used in the. In I the, love it. It smells so good. <laughs> yeah. It's published by Lion Forge, which is seems unusual. Didn't they? They got bought out by a company, right? Were they bought by Oni or? Yeah, I think the Oni owns Lion Forge now. It's slightly oversized. The paper, the, the the illustrations really pop against the shiny paper too. It's really just a really nice presentation. Mm-hmm. It's only twenty five dollars for a book this size. It's absolutely worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, highly recommended. Thanks for talking about these with Thank me. Thank you. Yeah, it's fun. 
this is really fun i should have read more sorry i didn't <laughs> i started reading onward and i thought no we're i should limit ourselves to these it's stories really, but it's really quick read i was very surprised i was like wow i'm putting the other volumes on my christmas list mm -hmm. cool awesome thanks amir thanks jason Thank you.